welcome to Cavalier Central, bringing you everything you need to know about the wine and gold. Hey, Hoopheads, we appreciate you listening to this episode of Cavalier Central. Be sure to check out these other NBA pods on the Hoopheads Podcast Network, including Knock a Few Buck, 305 Culture, Spanning the Spurs, Hashtag Lakers, Motor City Hoops, X's and O's NBA Breakdown, LA Hoops, and the Wizards Hoops Analyst, plus our coaching-focused podcast, Thrive with Trevor Huffman, Beyond the Ball, the CoachMaze.com podcast, Players Court, Bleachers and Boards, and the Green Light. Oh, and don't forget to check out our flagship, the Hoopheads podcast, hosted by me, Mike Cleansing, and my co-host, Jason Sunkel, featuring the best minds in the game, from grassroots to the NBA. Hey, Hoopheads, we all hate ankle sprains, and they happen way too often. Ankle injuries are the number one sports-related injury. Arise is trying to change that. With the iFast, your athletes get preventative protection and full mobility. Athletes no longer need to wear bulky braces that limit performance and give mediocre protection. Anyone playing sports should be using these products. Keep your athletes in the game. Don't wait for them to get hurt to take action. Visit www.arise.com. Spelled A-R-Y-S-E. And use the code HOOPHEADS to get 20% off the future of performance. That's A-R-Y-S-E dot com with promo code HOOPHEADS to get 20% off. Hey everybody, welcome back. I'm your host, Justin Matcham, in here with me tonight. Amadou So, Amadou, what's up man, how you doing? I'm doing good man, how you doing? I'm good. You know, the Cavaliers, not even Dan can say that this is not a winning streak mm-hmm. anymore. He was yeah. adamant. He was adamant that you can't call it a win streak until three until games. Three wins, yeah. Well, guess what, Dan? We are at three games. <laughs> the Cavaliers are officially on a winning streak. They beat the 76ers 112-109 in overtime. Uh, three straight. Like we said, the Cavaliers now 13-21 and in the season. Uh, 4-0 and against both the Sixers and the Nets, the top two teams in the Eastern Conference. Uh, some interesting, interesting stuff there. Uh, we'll get into the game a little bit more here in a minute, but uh, I do just want to say before we always kind of start the episodes out with these when they happen, so we'll do the same thing here. Uh, the road back is back, sort of. Um, apparently, they released well, they they did release an episode. They call it episode four point five. I don't understand why they didn't just call it episode five. It was basically the same <laughs> length as a regular episode. It was about ten minutes, uh, whereas a regular episode is about eleven to thirteen. So. Not really sure why it had to be a half episode, but that's the way they labeled it. Um, just talking about the Torian Prince-Jared Allen trade and the whole Harden mess that happened. Uh, going over it through the Cavs' perspective, I thought it was really, it was honestly one of the more insightful episodes, I thought. Uh, Kobe Altman kind of just talks about the whole thing, reveals that the Cavaliers had been having talks about uh, Jared Allen trades beforehand, uh, dating back to as far as the draft. We got to hear from Alan and Prince uh, about the transition and just kind of how they found out that they were getting traded and, and what the what it was like and just how they've you know, adjusted to the city. Um, some other stuff in there too. But uh, what do you think of the episode? Or I guess I should say the half episode, Amadou. Yeah, I really did like the episode. Um, like you said, for me, um, what really 
you know, stuck out was Kobe Allman just talking about, you know, what goes into a trade, talking about how, you know, trades are talked about months in advance. So this is obviously something the cast have been working on for a very long time. It got stalled, of course, with the free agency and the draft. And got that actually got me thinking about, like, you know, why could I have gotten stalled? I'm, I was wondering, you know, if, if Giannis hadn't signed that extension, would the cast have still been, you know, as likely to make this move right here? Um, just, just something to think about. Uh, but Elaborate. How so? Well, I mean, that pick that we traded, the Bucks pick, um, that, that was, was a, a good 2022 point. Okay, pick. Yeah, right. <laughs> so, yeah, if Giannis hadn't signed an extension, let's say he leaves in free agency, that pick could that be, pick you know, very, very valuable. It, yeah, more mm-hmm. valuable than it yep. is right now. So Exactly. So, yeah, that's just, you know, something fun to, to think about there. But um, like we said, you know, he talked about uh, – they interviewed uh, J.B. Bigstaff. He's talking about growth and, you know, the system. You know, and I think that's that's been, you know – the thing with all these episodes, we've seen J.B. Bickerstaff consistently talk about, you know, the, the system that he's put into place, the culture, you know, just growing as a team. Um, that's been great to see. And it uh, looks like the players, uh, Torian Prince and Jared Allen, are, are comfortable here in Cleveland. Yeah, they both seem to fit in well. Both Kobe and J.B. in the episode kind of just talk about how those two fit into what's going on here as far as, you know, an, off, an, an on-court fit and just kind of an overall culture and future fit. Just, you know, I mean, you don't expect to hear anything negative and something that was produced by the, you know, Cavs official YouTube channel, but still some, some entertaining stuff, I think, just some, some insightful stuff as well. Got to hear a nice little goodbye for Dante Exum. Obviously, he was, you know, sent to Houston in the trade as well. Just, just nice to see. But, uh, yeah, overall, it still seems like we get these things like every five weeks, but it is what it is. You know, we'll take them when we can get them. Uh, we'll get into the, Cavaliers win now. Like I said, 112-109 against the Sixers. The Sixers, obviously, without Tobias Harris, which is a big loss for them, but the Cavaliers also played with nine players. Uh, Jetty Osman did not play in this game. I believe he was dealing with back issues. He was a late scratch. Tarian Prince still out, not even with the team, I don't think, last night uh, with the ankle injury. Obviously, Larry Nance out. Andre Drummond out. Kevin Love out. Matthew Dalvadova out. So the Cavaliers were shorthanded. Broderick uh, Thomas, by the way, I should also say, is we had mentioned that he didn't know if he were going to be with the uh, Canton Charge or Cavs to start. He is with the Charge in the bubble, so he will not be joining the Cavaliers right away. So they were without him as well. Uh, not health-related, just on assignment in the bubble right now. But I'll, I'll hand it off to you here, Amadou. Uh, just some general thoughts on the game, and then I think we can just kind of, like we usually do, just kind of dive into some of the players in particular. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I thought, I mean, of course, you know, it's a great win for the Cavaliers, you know. Um, you're beating the top team in the Eastern Conference right now. It's always great to see. Uh, for me, I think the game plan, I mean, obviously, just going into this game plan, I was just going to try to neutralize Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid um, and just not really let anybody else beat you. And the Cavs didn't do that. I mean, Seth Curry didn't play well at all. I think he shot like one for 13 or something like that. Uh, Furkan Kirkmaz didn't play well, really. You know, Danny Green, these are guys who are considered, you know, they're sharpshooters, they're snipers on the team, you know, didn't really shoot the ball particularly well. So that was great for the Cavaliers. Um, I mean, obviously, Embiid is going to get his, you know, every night. And Jared Allen, you know, was put up to a tough task. Same thing with Ben Simmons. But I just like the fact that the Cavs didn't really let anybody else beat them. Yeah, they definitely didn't. If the job was to neutralize those two guys, I would say they didn't do a too great of a job. Obviously, Joel Embiid exploded for 42 and 13, had six assists to go along with it. And there was, 
in a lot of those instances, there was just not a lot you could do. I mean, the guy was hitting, you know, between the legs, step back, you know, fadeaway jumpers. Like, he was just, he was on his game. But you were right. Uh, Danny Green was three for nine from the field. Uh, same with Furkan Korkmaz. He shot one for five from three. Seth Curry went one for 13 from the field, one for seven from three. Uh, drew that one BS foul that ended up getting him to the line. Uh, I believe that got him to the line. But either way, he even he even missed a free throw, which is unlike him. Uh, looking at just overall the production from the Sixers, I thought Matisse Thibel had a good game outside of the main two. He hit his only three and was just really, really active on defense, um, getting into passing lanes and picking the pockets of some guys. And he ended up coming away with a couple blocks, I think, as well. Yes, he did. But uh, let's talk about... I think we got to talk about Isaac Okoro to start in this game. Uh, if not his best game of the season, certainly up there. Played 35 minutes. Uh, finished with, I believe... Let me pull it up here. 15 points, which is a career high. Eight rebounds, which is a career high. Six field goals made. Tied for a career high. And three steals, which was tied for a career high. Uh, shout out to Zach Weiss for those stats. But, um, or at least that information. But overall, it just kind of shows the growth that, you know, he's been having. And like I said, I mean, the, the stats aren't anything that pop off the page. And he also fouled out in this game. But I think you could just see it on both ends of the floor. He was really, really disruptive on defense. Uh, did a great job, I thought, on Ben Simmons, limiting him as much as he could. Uh, and had a, a very efficient night on offense as well. Was, again, finishing strong around the rim. Uh, got an end one opportunity, which was something that I've, you know, really, really liked to see from him. He hit one of his threes. He wasn't as aggressive from the three-point line last night as he has been only took two attempts there. But again, overall was involved in the offense, which you love to see, was making the right reads, and again, was just doing all of the right things on defense rotation-wise. Um, you know, for is for, for I thought he played about as good of disciplined defense as you can for fouling out. I thought there were some kind of BS fouls in there. Uh, you know, a lot of times where he just kind of got caught in a post up and against Ben Simmons or Joel Embiid, you know, sometimes you're just going to, there, there's going to be a lot of contact there sometimes and there's just nothing you can do. The ref is just going to blow the whistle. What's that to you from Isaac Coro in that game? I just like that Isaac was much more than a positive, you know, um, and that's what we can ask for him as a rookie. Um, these last couple of games, last, you know, a few games, he's been, you know, He's been, you know, turning it up. And that's what I really like to see from him. I mean, like you said, you know, he could try his best against, you know, Ben Simmons or Joel Embiid in a post. And I thought, you know, at some points, you know, he really held his own. You know, some points, obviously, it maybe didn't go his way. But again, he's 19, 20 years old, excuse me, at this point, um, having to guard the, the opponent's best players. Um, I think, you know, he, he played pretty solid. Again, 15 points, too. He's effective on offense um, with some cuts. Um, I think he scored the first bucket in the uh, overtime uh, that little reverse layup, so that really uh, did that. And he had a lot of um, putbacks, a lot of second-chance points um, last night, which was also great to see. Overall, you know, I was I was really, really impressed with his game. We can talk about just some of the overtime performances now. I think Darius Garland and Colin Sexton uh, both really put it together in this game. Uh, didn't have the most efficient – and you know, Darius in particular shot 9 for 24 from the field – but really turned it on when it counted, I thought. Uh, Colin had 28 points as well as five rebounds, three assists. Uh, Darius Garland had nine assists in this game. Uh, got to the line quite a bit, shot seven free throws, which, again, you love to see from him. Uh, both of them, again, I'm not even going to look at the makes. Uh, th- they combined three for ten from three, but between the two of them, they took ten threes. Each of them shot five. 
And again, they didn't look forced. They it just kind of is. You can tell that it's you know it's been something that they've actively tried to improve, but it's not looking like they're just taking bad shots for the sake of getting threes up. They're starting to just get those threes more in rhythm, which I think you can be happy with that. Um, you know, a little bit of turnover issue too. Again, just some of the lazy passes that we, we get with these guys, and that's to be expected at this point. Again, you know, when, when Darius Garland has the ball in his hands as much as he does and is actively trying to take on that playmaker role, you're going to make mistakes. That's just, that's just going to happen uh, at this stage. But uh, both of them took over in overtime, and I think especially Darius Garland really, you know, kind of turned it on, was hitting some floaters there down the stretch. Um, I'll give you the floor here just to kind of talk about Darius and what you saw from him last night. Yeah, exactly. Uh, that overtime, uh, that was a big plus for him. And that was just something that I really wanted to see. You know, Darius is a top five pick as a point guard. I just want to see a game, you know, where he just looks to take over, you know, looks to be assertive instead of looking to pass. Um, and that, that's what we got in overtime. You know, I love to see, like you said, can't really look too far into the field goal percentage. I mean, he started off hot. I think he started off with like four for four and then proceeded to miss his next 10. But for me, what really stuck out is how he's been, who's able to be effective from the floor, despite his shot not falling. Like he did have nine assists. Um, the turnovers, yeah, he did have four, but I mean, I can't, I can't complain too much about the turnovers. Like you said, this is a second year point guard. Um, he's going to go through his, you know, his ups and downs and such. And this was a very, very up game. Um, 25 points, nine assists. You could, you know, say that this is probably the best game of his career. Um, and it, it was, it was really nice to see towards the end of that fourth quarter and then at overtime. And blame it on just an off shooting night from the Sixers or blame it on, you know, or, or credit it to some solid perimeter defense, you know, by the, some of these young Cavs guards. I don't think they did anything outstanding, but you know they were able to really limit this this backcourt as far as scoring goes. Um, overall, like I said, you know Seth Curry had a putrid shooting night. Danny Green didn't do anything special. Furkan Korkmaz, who is a very inconsistent player, did not have a good night. Uh, Shake Milton, you know, couldn't really kind of was just struggling to get it going. Um, Tyrese Maxey also got in the game. He didn't really get that much of a run, but. Um, you know, just this good, complete games from both of them, I thought. Again, you know, Colin had his, his 28, um, was was really, again, he didn't have the most efficient shooting night, but, you know, throughout the game was really, really getting some tough shots to fall, which you just, you, you like to see really, really difficult finishes and getting them to go. Um, we can just touch on the other two starters real quick. Uh, Dean Wade got another start here. Um <laughs> three and zero in his career as a starter had six points. Yeah, mm-hmm. keep him there. But mm-hmm. uh, six points, twelve rebounds, and an assist. Uh, Jared Allen had fourteen and ten, uh, had a block as well. I guess I don't think we need to get too deep into either of them. But anything that yeah. stood out from either of them to you? Um, not really. You know, um, for Jared Allen, like I said, I mean, you're going against a guy who I think you know honestly is number one in the MVP race right now, Joel Embiid. It's going to be an extremely tough task. Um, I mean, I feel like, you know, they, they played, you know, fairly well for, under you know, the circumstances they were under. I mean, you know, Dean Wade at times was um, going against and being guard against, you know, like a Ben Simmons, Jared Allen with Joel Embiid. So I feel like, you know, for that, you know, type of play, it, it was good. Yeah, I, I don't think that there's anything really stand out there. I mean, we talk about these guys twice a week. I mean, you, you can't. You know, sometimes it's going to just kind of be how the way it is. I mean, not really a whole lot that stood out there. But, you know, I thought 
you know, going up against Joel Embiid, Jared Allen did a fine job. Again, Joel Embiid is just going to have these nights sometimes where he just has it going. And it's not like he was just, you know, absolutely pushing Jared Allen around. I mean, a lot of these shots, like I said, were just difficult shots that he just got to fall. So also got to the line. Joel Embiid did uh, eight times, had 16 free throws, uh, knocked out, knocked those down at an efficient rate though as well. So there's, you know, 14 of his points. Uh, a couple guys I want to get to off the bench. Uh, we can start with Damian Dotson, who I thought had a pretty good night in his limited, well, not so limited run. Again, this team was so shorthanded. Uh, JaVale McGee played the lowest number of minutes on the team with 16 and a half, basically. Damian Dotson got 18 minutes, 40 seconds, uh, put up 10 points, You know, had four assists, had a few rebounds as well. The big thing, Damian Dotson made both of his threes. In a game with the Cavaliers. Um, <laughs> you know, shot four for seven from the field overall was efficient night for him. But um, I think that's just the, that's the best way to put it. It was just a relief. Um, how did you feel seeing Damian Dotson hit a couple of threes? Yeah, it was great, honestly. Um, we talked about it previously in the pod, how his shot just hasn't been falling at the rate that we've liked it to. Seeing this, I mean, hopefully this is a confidence booster for them. And Damian Dotson just, you know... Just seems like a player as to when, you know, the Cavs really need him most. I mean, we only dress nine guys. He, he does seem to, you know, turn it up and, you know, play, play, play extremely well. So great, man. You know, two for two. I mean, I'm hoping that this is, this is the start of a new Dotson. Build some momentum, Damien. You know, we're, we're on a winning streak. New, new Cavaliers team here after that 10 game skid. New Cavs, new Damien Dotson. We love to see it. Um, I don't know. Maybe this is the start of something. Maybe it isn't. We'll have to just kind of track this as it goes. But it's just, I feel like we haven't gotten one of these games where, I mean, you know, it, when he had kind of a high usage role, he was taking a lot more shots, obviously. But this is like, I mean, obviously he shot 100%. I mean, it was only two shots. But this is like the best shooting night that we've seen from Damian Dotson in a good while now. So even in, you know, again, a limited amount of attempts, it was just, it was great to see him you know, do that. And again, he just, he made his overall impact on the game. Like he usually does, like we've talked about again, just kind of taking on some of the, the, the primary ball handling responsibilities when it's, it's not Garland or Sexton. So continuing to do well in that role. Um, Dylan Windler was the other one that I wanted to talk about, uh, you know, kind of slip back into his, his old shooting habits a little bit from deep, but did go three for three from two in this game. Uh, ended up with 10, or not 10, but 8 points, and 6 rebounds, had 3 steals to go along with it. Uh, and I thought, you know, I mean, yes, the 3s weren't falling. Uh, that That's just kind of been... Uh, again, I'm still not at the point where I'm concerned with this 3-point shot. I don't think that there's really any reason to be... Yes, it's been inconsistent. It's a little bit weird. But we've also seen, you know, what he's capable of doing, hitting, what, 9, 10 straight uh, before that. What I like to see is that he did go three for three on his twos. Uh, and one of those attempts was like a difficult shot that he had to, you know, get into the paint uh, off of a drive and create something. I don't think that's something we've really seen him do a lot of this season. And it's something, again, it was only the one shot that I can think of at least. But it was just good to see him, you know, get in the lane, create a little bit of space and pull up and, and hit one of those shots. I think... You know, again, especially in such uh, with with such a limited roster right now, and you know, asking as much of him as he is, as we are, 
Um, it, it's just good to see him kind of finally succeed in that role after, again, like everyone else in that 10-game skid, really just kind of struggle to take on the extra responsibility. It's good to see him take advantage of those moments. Yeah. Um, just Dylan Willard, I mean, thinking about it, it looks to me like he's, he's more than, you know, just like a, a catch-and-shoot type of guy or an off-the-ball movement type of guy. You know, he his on-ball game is, you know, it's probably better than advertised. You know, um, his finishing abilities and his on-ball abilities have been, you know, much more than, you know, maybe a lot of people have expected it to be. Yeah, again, it's something that I think has just kind of been the story of Dylan Windler this year. I mean, three steals, six rebounds for, you know, a guy who is labeled as a three-point shooter. Um, it's just it's good to see him continue to make an impact on the game when the three isn't falling. And you have to believe that when the three is falling that, you know, assuming that he continues to do all these other little things, this is a guy for the Cavs. Um, I, I, you know, he's still 24 years old. This is, you know, somebody that I think you can – and there's there's been some speculation as to, oh, what else could they have done with the pick, you know, at 26 when they drafted him. But I think, you know, it, it's it's starting to pan out. You, you just have to be patient because it has been a long process. But um, looking at the other guys who got in this game, like I said before, JaVale McGee played 16 and a half minutes, had six points, three rebounds. Uh, Lamar Stevens played 19 and a half, uh, got a few rebounds. I believe got four rebounds. Uh, didn't really do a ton of his minutes. Had had a block, but um, anything else? Any other final thoughts before we kind of just move off the game? Just about that win. Um, I know Lamar Stevens. I think it was an overtime. He had that really clutch rebound where he just seemed to just go up and catch one. Yeah, hand. he did. I, he did. Yeah, he did. I think know, it led to, to fight a, to that in traffic. Yeah, I think it led to a Garland floater or one or the other that put us up. I want to say it put us up four or maybe just gave us lead. But either way, you know, just shout out to him for that. That clutch rebound, man. I mean, you know, he's he's looking really good. I guess one of the silver linings of having such a decimated roster right now is, I mean, obviously, this has been a great period of time for Lamar Stevens to just kind of get the opportunity to play. But how great is all of this for Lamar Stevens to get opportunities to play in a, you know, against a really, really good team in overtime? To, to get these opportunities to, you know, make impact plays and a really, really, you know, important period of the game. That's not something that, you know, we would have expected from Lamar Stevens earlier in the season. And obviously Isaac Okora was fouled out, and that's, you know, why he ended up getting some more time there at the end. But still, just, you know, it's 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 good to see him get some really, really valuable time in there. Yeah, I mean, you know, unfortunately, of course, uh, Larry Nance and Kevin Love are out. You know, we had to call on Lamar Stevens' name more than, you know, maybe the Cavs have expected to, but, you know, it's, it's been great, you know, and because of this, we've been able to find what looks like, you know, a diamond in a rough, a guy who can really stick around for this team. We can only hope. Uh, I do want to ask you about, as well, one more thing. Matthew Delvadova back with the team. Uh, it's good to see him out there with the bright lights, with the noise. Uh, obviously, you know, not too affected by the concussion anymore, which it doesn't seem like. Uh, just the fact that he's able to be out there and, and you know, engaged on the bench. Uh, obviously, we, we don't have a timetable, I don't think, that I've seen at least uh, with the appendectomy, uh, I'm sorry if I botched tough that word. Yeah, <laughs> tough word. <laughs> appendectomy. I think. I think I got that right. Um, but anyway, good to see him with the team and really kind of take on what seemed like a coaching role from the side. And some of the players talked about this as well. Uh, I'll get into some quotes here in just a minute. But I just want to hear, you know, what you have to, what, what you think about 
just having Delhi back and obviously we knew that he was never going to be someone who made a massive impact on the floor this season. It was just going to be kind of about helping out the young guys and in a, having just that veteran presence and, and just experience and knowledge that he has. But uh, how important is it for this team to have him back out there? I feel like it's been extremely important. You know, like we said, um, he's been sort of like a mentor um, to those young guards. Uh, in times late in the fourth and overtimes, we've, when they pan the camera over to that Cavs bench, you know, you see Matthew Dovidova alongside Colin Sexton or alongside Darius Garland, you know, coaching up, talking about, you know, what they see, what he sees out there and such. It's, it's, it's been great to see, you know, um, we talked about in this pod too, um, early in the season, you know, just talking about what Delhi's role would be like for the future of this team. And if this is the type of role where, you know, he's a, it's time, kind of that Udonis has him type of role where, you know, he's just, you know, plays every now and then here and there, but you know, just mainly is just, you know, a guy off the bench who, you know, can coach up, you know, the younger players on the team can be that extra coach on the sidelines. It's that, that, that that's great. And to be perfectly clear, I think that like he, if he is able to come back and be healthy this season, I still think that he has value on the court for this team, a team that just desperately needs a backup playmaking guard to come off the bench and play with, you know, one of the young guards or when both of them are off the floor, if you're able to do that, I think Delhi helps you do that. If you need to have both of them off the floor at the same time, uh, allows you to play them together a little bit more throughout the game. But, you know, I think he's definitely somebody who has more left in the tank than Udonis if he can get back out there. Uh, I don't think he's as physically limited as Udonis Haslam. I mean, he's still considerably younger at this point. But, uh, you know, Darius Garland had kind of said after the game, uh, said that Delhi just sees everything. Uh, he When he sees someone open, he'll tell you that in timeout. That, you know, he'll say that you missed that guy in the corner. He's always reading the game. He's going to put people in different positions to get a win. Uh, he's a winner, so... Whatever you do to win, he's going to do it. And that's what he was trying to communicate to us tonight, that we have to just put people in different positions to get this win. We stuck with it. We listened to him. It's just fun having him over there, having another ear, another voice to talk to instead of the coaching staff. And I think that's another, you know, another positive to it as well is that he's not one of the coaches. He's one of the players who is able to kind of communicate those things to him and be a fresh voice for these guys. Um, so... Definitely love seeing Delhi out there and just provide value in any way that he can. And I think when we talk about some of these trades that we do, you know, Amadou, and just we talk about if the Cavaliers were to create open roster spots to, to execute trades, how would those be getting done? Um, obviously, for a while there, Dean Wade was kind of the obvious candidate just because his contract was not guaranteed. Uh, obviously, that's guaranteed for this season at least now. But um, it still seems like, you know, this is kind of why the Cavaliers have never shown real willingness to buy out Matthew or not to buy out Matthew Delvadova, but to waive Matthew Delvadova to, you know, just to clear a roster spot because even with him not playing and not providing, you know, real on-court value, the value that he provides to the team is just still so clear. And I think, you know, nights like last night against the Sixers are just an obvious example of that. We'll move on from the game. Uh, we do want to get into some more trades. Uh, I feel like, you know, leading up to the trade deadline, there's always there's always something to talk about. So uh figured tonight, we had kind of talked about in the past, uh, the, the Cavs, obviously I will say, uh, the Cavs have been labeled as one of the very, very few sellers in the league moving up to the trade deadline here. So obviously that's another reason for us to kind of get into more of these. I believe along with the like the Thunder and Pistons were the other teams that were labeled as like definite sellers. 
And it makes sense this year uh, with two extra playoff spots, essentially with the playing tournament, you know, expanding out to the eight and nine or to the nine and 10 seeds. There are a lot more teams with realistic hopes. Uh, the Cavaliers were one of those teams for a while. That's obviously not the case anymore. And therefore they are, you know, labeled one of the sellers. There are going to be moves made by the Cavaliers, you know, unloading some of these pieces. Uh, and we had kind of said in the past that guys like, uh, you know, just some of the wings, Jetty Osmond, Tarian Prince, aren't exactly guys that I'm sure we would just sell alone. Tarian Prince, obviously, it gets tricky with because he can really be aggregated uh, with all the other players. He would have to be dealt by himself this season. Kind of why I've always thought he'd be more of a potential piece going forward. But again, if the Cavaliers were to find the right partner, both of these guys make sense as candidates to be traded. Uh, I'll, I'll throw it over to you first, Amadou. Uh, we, 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 I, I came up with two trades for each of these guys. I don't know exactly how many you came up with, but, uh, I'll let you throw out your first Jetty Osmond trade here. Yeah, I have a couple. So, um, Jetty Osmond to me, like you said, I feel like personally, Torian Prince is probably the better player to keep just because, you know, he's better defensively shooting wise. Uh, this season, at least Prince has been better, uh, person sport athletic. I feel like they're both the same age you know, around the same age too, either way. So, um, either war. Uh, Jetty Osman, for me, my first trade, like we talked about, like you just said, a team that is looking to sell the Pistons. I just got a simple trade here. Jetty Osman and a couple of second-round picks for DeLon Wright. Now, the everybody knows this. The Cavs, their biggest problem has been finding that backup playmaker, and I believe DeLon Wright can do that. Um, I think he is better than Damian Dotson. I think a lot of people can say that. Um, better facilitator shooting. DeLon Wright is a shooter. He doesn't take many threes, but, you know, the ones that he does take, he knocks them down. And I feel like, you know, he'd be a great piece, you know, just moving forward. DeLon Wright is still, you know, relatively young. I think he's about 28-ish now. So that's definitely a trade I would do if I'm the Cavaliers. You would be willing to go up a couple second-round picks for DeLon Wright. Maybe not a couple. Maybe, maybe one. But J.D. Osmond I think for, I think one would DeLon. be about the limit yeah. that I would go with. Uh, but you are right. He is 28. He turns 29 at the end of April. So, you know, not necessarily. I mean, he would be a veteran on this team, but not, you know, old, old. Uh, it would be interesting for the Cavs to flip the script from from seller to buyer uh, if that was the direction they decided to go in. But DeLon Wright is a piece that makes sense for this team. Uh, making a similar salary to Jetty. He's making $9 million this season, about a little over eight and a half next uh, again, it would just be valuable for this team as another playmaker, probably coming off the bench, but would just really provide, you know, whereas Delhi obviously provides clear value as a veteran and is just kind of the steady presence, you know, off the court. I think DeLon Wright would be able to bring a lot of that on the court. And I think that he is, you know, he's, he's not a high threat, a high level threat from outside, but he is capable of hitting those shots. Um, and is just capable of running an offense, which, which would really be a nice thing for this team to have. Uh, I think... A guy like DeLon Wright would be a good guy to target if this was a problem like a year or two now when this team was really, you know, looking to take one of those final steps towards being a playoff contender. I think that this is a guy who could certainly help. It just doesn't seem like the Cavaliers are in, you know, win-now mode. And it does make sense because you would have him under contract for next season as well. And at that point, you know, you'd see where you're at in the process as far as your rebuild and, you know, how close you are to competing. And maybe at that point he is re-interested in resigning. He would be you know, about 30 years old at that point. So it's not like you would be someone who would demand, you wouldn't think, you know, a terribly high, you know, high number, high value contract. Um, so I, I'm not sure exactly if I would go for that, but it definitely, I can understand the rationale. And I, I really do like the Dolan Wright fit in Cleveland. And I think, 
you know, giving up Jetty Osmond to to Detroit uh, is another another wing for them that would you know kind of play nicely next to some of their guys. Another shooter to get in there never hurts. Um, you know, it would kind of solidify their wing rotation with Sadiq Bay and and Josh Jackson, and you know maybe that I'm not sure exactly how Seku Dumbo fits into this team exactly as it is, but you know that might push him further out the door. Uh, you got Jeremy Grant there, obviously Rodney Magruder right now is still there. So it, 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 he would be entering a, a crowded wing rotation, but I also think that, you know, it's possible that, you know, I don't think they would feel that, you know, caught up in having to release Rodney Magruder if it came to it. Uh, Wayne Ellington is an obvious trade candidate for them. You know, there might be other guys there as well. Hey everyone, the NBA season is underway and there is no better way to celebrate than with Thrive Fantasy, the daily fantasy sports app for player props. They have eliminated the need to do countless hours of research because they only ask you about the top-tier athletes in each sport. All you have to do is pick five out of the ten player prop options to build your lineup. Each prop has a fantasy point of total associated with the over or under based on its likelihood to occur. The more points a selection is worth, the riskier it is. Rack up the most points to win a portion of the prize pool. Thrive has awarded over $2 million in prizes since launching in 2018 and will be awarding thousands more this NBA season. So download the Thrive Fantasy app today or visit thrivefantasy.com to get started. Use the promo code KLOVE, that's K-L-O-V-E, like Kevin Love, when you sign up and you will receive an instant deposit match up to $50 on your first deposit of $20 or more. Sign up and prop up today. I'll throw you one of my trades. A team that is kind of maybe looking more to do, you know, the whole win now thing and it would be committing some extra salary for this team just because they're trading and expiring to get him. My first fake trade was giving Tarian Prince to the Atlanta Hawks. Back to the Atlanta Hawks mm. for Tony Snell. Okay. Okay. The rationale is the Hawks get another wing creator, another win now piece for Tony Snell, who's just kind of a you know fringe rotation minutes type of guy. Obviously, they have to commit to a salary for next year as well. I think the rationale here is just the Cavaliers get another guy who is fine, playable for the time being. Uh, another guy who I think would be a likely buyout candidate and who someone I think would be really very sought out after on the buyout market. But I think it's just about getting off the money for next season. Uh, that's really the incentive here is to just have that financial flexibility moving forward. Uh, if they do want to make other moves and they can't find you know, a, a move to get off of Kevin Love's money, that gives them a little bit of breathing room. So I think that, that would be the rationale behind it. I'm interested to hear what you have to say. Okay. Yeah, I definitely like it. And I think that's a trade that makes sense. You know, you talk about the Hawks, who I think going into the offseason, at least the moves that they made, you know, the thought was that they would be a team contending for the playoffs. Um, and it hasn't really been the case. And that's been due to injuries. You know, DeAndre Hunter, who had a great start to the season, has been out for some time now with an injury. Uh, Cam Reddish, I think Cam Reddish, I don't know if he's back now, but he's another player who's dealt with a lot of injuries, of course. Uh, and Bob Cam Reddish has just struggled as an overall. Oh, yeah, he's struggled like, he's too. just yeah. been like, like, I'm someone who's generally liked Cam Reddish mm-hmm. as a player. I wanted the Cavs to draft him to be fully yeah. transparent. Uh, I've, I've always been a fan of his upside, but he has just flat out not been good this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then you have Bogdan, who, of course, we know has been out with injury too. It makes sense. You know, wings are a dime a dozen now. You know, every team needs to have those. I would say, you know, Torian Prince is a a quality wing player. I mean, he's a guy who can do it all. You know, he can shoot the three ball. He has on-ball abilities. He's athletic. He can defend. Going back to Atlanta, that's definitely, you know, a move that, I mean, for the Cavs' sake, if it is about, you know, 
keeping some cap space, you know, having that breathing room is definitely a deal that I would love to make. I'm interested to hear one of your Tarian trades, and then we'll go back to Jetty. Okay, so this trade, I think this this is an interesting one, um, and it goes to the Boston Celtics. Now, the Celtics have been, they started off, you know, pretty well, but, you know, have kind of fell off as of late. Um, they're under 500 as it stands currently. They are playing the Wizards, I think, right now, and I'm pretty sure they're up, so, I mean, that could change, but I don't think the Celtics are where they, they want to be right now, currently. Um I would pieces. say that they're definitely not. <laughs> yeah, they're definitely not. Um, I feel like maybe they might save that trade low for a bigger trade. Um, we talked about them being, you know, so pressed for cap space, being close to hard cap. If they look to, you know, wave some players, maybe they go out and try to, you know, bring in like Victor Oladipo. Um, he just uh, turned down an extension from Houston. So, I mean, that's interesting. I think that's a move that the Celtics are going to make. But if they are looking to make, you know, those smaller moves, you can fit Torian Prince into that trade exception. And the Cavs could maybe, you know, get some picks out of this. I mean, I think you could definitely, the Cavs, for the Cavs, they get, you know, maybe a couple of seconds, you know, the, the Kobe Omen special. But the Celtics do have a ton of young talent on the team that just isn't playing. Guys like Carson Edwards, Romeo Langford, you know, those guys aren't really seeing too many minutes. Do you think the Cavs can maybe squeeze a heavily protected first out of the Celtics? I'd have to see exactly. Well, I mean, I know that the Celtics have first-rounders to trade, so I won't even you know say that. But um, I don't know if – okay, so I'll just be fully transparent. I'll just be honest here. Uh, my next Jetty trade was going to be Jetty to the Celtics uh, absorbed into that trade exception. So I guess – you know, and it makes sense for either of them. A uh, team that, you know, just – again, you know, every team in the league can use wing, ten- wing shooting, uh, any contender. And this team especially has really been – you know, searching for that for a while now. I don't really think... Again, Aaron's niece, Aaron Neesmith is a guy that I'm high on long-term, but he's just not that guy right now. Uh, I, I think either of these guys would be able to provide some... I mean, you know, these are two guys who are not shy as far as bombing away from deep. Uh, and I, I had Jetty in particular for either a second rounder or Carson Edwards uh, if they, you know, felt the, felt the need to move on from him. I just... I don't see Carson Edwards really having a future in Boston personally. Uh, I just, I, I just, I don't see exactly how he fits in there. I just don't think it's going to work out. Um, and I'm not sure exactly how he would fit in here. It's just a kind of another small score first guard. And I, I honestly don't know which one you would prefer if you are the Cavs or the Kobe Altman, if you would rather just have the asset. But um, I don't, I don't, I'm not sure. Maybe like a heavily protected first that turned like, Maybe like a top twenty protected first. Yeah, that's that, what I was thinking along those like, lines. Of top if doesn't convey after a couple of years becomes two seconds. Mm-hmm. Maybe I could see that, but at the same time, I feel like I just personally feel like this would be like a last resort type thing for the Celtics yeah, because I just just think that they have so many other options on the table. Um, and and for all the the flack that that Danny Ainge gets for not making moves. Can you imagine if there are names on the table like Victor Oladipo and Aaron Gordon and you know Harrison Barnes and whoever else that this team could get, and they end up with Tarian Prince <laughs> or Jetty Osmond in that trade exception? Yeah, that that would like, be extremely tough. Boston fans would not be happy, but um, you know, I, I guess again, if they were to strike out on all of those guys and they just needed wing shooters, here you go. You have a couple of of fine options, and, and both of these guys I think would be at least rotation pieces for them. Uh, certainly, uh, you know. Torian Prince, who, again, it just would be able to provide some of that shot creation outside of, of 
Jason and Jalen, which I think is just something that this team just really re- needs right now, especially we'll see how, what happens with Kemba Walker and how if he's able to come back healthy or not. I mean, he's been playing – he's had some good bounce-back games here as of late, but he does just still look kind of physically limited. But, uh, yeah, I think as a last resort, both of those guys would make sense for for Boston. I guess I revealed my, my last Jetty trade uh, being another, another one just absorbed into that Boston trade exception. Uh, did you have another Jetty trade? Um, I did not, but I was trying to, you know, maybe make one with the Pelicans, you know, a team that you talked about. Um, it's well, just... I guess I didn't even say my Jetty. My, that was one of my Jetty oh, trades. Okay, I didn't okay, even okay, say okay, my okay, other okay, one. Okay, okay. I guess I, yeah, I'm sorry. I was, I misread my notes here, but uh, I did have, I guess, a Jetty to the Pelicans trade. Do you mm-hmm. have one? I'll, I'll let you say yours first. Um, I was looking at maybe, you know, Jetty for, it would have to be Jetty maybe to fail for, for JJ Redick. But then again, I, is, is that something that, you know, maybe the Pelicans would look to do? I'm not too sure. I want to hear yours. I'm not, I'm, I just don't see the incentive there for the yeah, Cavs. Exactly. <laughs> but I, I don't really think that's a move that makes a whole lot of sense. Like, I, I don't think that it's going to happen because there aren't a whole lot of moves that make sense. Um, I, like I said, I, I love the idea of Jetty in New Orleans who can just come off the bench in spurts and just spray threes next to, to Zion and whoever else he's playing on the floor with that can't shoot. The only thing that I could really come up with, and again, why I say it doesn't, I don't think it would ever happen, is because I think Lonzo Ball at this way has kind of played himself out of trade rumors. Um, we had talked about this in previous episodes about the Cavs' possibility of trading for him. I think that Lonzo would be literally like a perfect fit next to either Darius or Colin in the backcourt. You know, I think that that three guard rotation would be outstanding uh, if the Cavaliers were able to get him again. I just think he's shooting the ball too well right now and showing that he is capable of doing that. But if the Cav- or if the Pelicans did for some reason still decide that they did want to move off of him, I had basically Jetty for for Lonzo and also like I'm not sure exactly what the draft compensation would obviously would be this year's first, but maybe like one future first unprotected and two seconds or, or I, I don't know I don't know exactly what Lonzo's value is right now is all around the league. And I don't think that the Pelicans are willing to really move him right now, so it would have to be a really high asking price. But it would be considerable draft compensation along with Jetty Osmond for Lonzo Ball. Yeah. Is basically what my deal was. Yeah. Yeah, I just... I feel like even both teams at that would, you know, shy away from a trade like that. Just because, like, like again, like we talked about, Lonzo Ball, you know, he's set to be a restricted free agent at the end of the season. What would his contract be? Do you want to pay somebody who... It's going to look, it's going to be, you know, more than likely a backup point guard. You want to pay him 15, 16, 17 million dollars per year on top of having to give up that draft compensation to get him in the first place. I just, yeah, I just think that's a, a player that the Cavs should not really look to acquire. Yeah. And it, it, again, I like all of these moves for, you know, John Collins or Larry Markinen or, or Lonzo Ball, just all names that have been, you know, at least floated on the trade market. For the Cavs in particular, they all make a lot more sense if the Cavaliers move on from Kevin Love. Because as things stand, they're going to have to extend Jared Allen this offseason. And if they were, in theory, to acquire one of those other guys, that would make them you know, a serious taxpayer because they would have to extend him as well. Uh, a guy like John Collins is you know, set to get a near-max extension. Uh, you know, Laurie Markkinen and Lonzo Ball are going to get some considerable money as well. So I, I, I don't really view it as realistic, but... Man, I would love to see it. I just, I love that fit so much for for both sides. But um, did you have any more, 
any more Tarian Prince trades? Um, no, those are only uh, two. No, those only trade I had. Excuse me for Tarian Prince. I have one more. Okay, and uh, it's with Dallas, which is another team that we've talked a lot about for Andre Drummond. Another team that I think could just use another wing creator, another wing shooter uh, on an offense that has kind of surprisingly been bogged down this year. Um, the, the deal is basically for Tarian Prince for Dwight Powell in two seconds. Uh, Tarian's years or Tarian's deal is one year shorter. Uh, the Cavaliers would be taking on an extra money uh, or an extra year of money at eleven million dollars. Uh, I think again, Tarian Prince fits what they need more right now. Is again just another shot creator next to Luka Doncic who can also space the floor, and again it's not again I, I think while the Mavericks could use an upgrade at center, it's not like they don't have enough of them. They have right now Dwight Powell, Maxi Kleba, Willie Cauley Stein, Boban Norianovic. like they have guys there. James Johnson can play small ball five for him. And we haven't even mentioned Kristaps Porzingis. So it's not like they don't have guys that can play that position. You would just – I think a guy like Drummond is a clear upgrade over all of them, and that's why I think that they make a lot of sense. But it's not like they can't part with one of those pieces. Um, for the Cavs, again, I think that kind of just gives you a nice rotational big, even if he is overpriced for the next couple of years. Uh, it makes it much easier to get off of JaVale at that point. Uh, because you're not stuck without centers <laughs> if you decide that you find the right trade for JaVale. So I, I would, again, I, I'm not a guy who loves Dwight Powell. Um, the, the injury concerns me a lot and just how he's recovering from it, just because he has always been a guy who's relied on his athleticism so much. And I'm just, I'm concerned for how he looks at the end of that deal, um, if his body can can hold up physically. But um, I think if you were able to get two seconds for Tarion Prince, that would be a very, very nice return. Exactly, yeah. That's more than what you gave up for him. At that, He was kind of just a sweetener in that deal um, that got us Jared Allen. But I think, personally, I know, you know, Dwight Powell does have the injury concerns, but I don't know. I feel like he can still definitely be, you know, quality big in this league. I mean, last season, before his injury, you know, he was he was playing really, really well for the Mavericks. And those Achilles injuries... For, for those centers, even just for players in general, it usually takes them, you know, about a season to get back to, you know, their former selves, if they're even able to get back to their former selves. I feel like, I don't know, I feel like Dwight Powell can, can actually do that. And in not including this year, I think he has, what, two years left on his deal, not including this year. You get yourself, you know, a, a backup for two more seasons. That's not something that you have to, you know, look towards in the offseason anymore. It's definitely a deal that I would do. And, of course, the, the seconds are some sweeteners. Um, now for the Mavericks, Torian Prince, 100%. I feel like if you're the Mavericks, you try to go get him. I mean, you talk about a team who, whose offense is just, like you said, it's been bugged out. And I think most of that is attributed to the fact that they traded away Seth Curry for Josh Richardson. Um, you know, you're sacrificing offense for defense there, but that's maybe not a sacrifice that you'd make if you, if you, you know, did that trade again. I feel like they Mm -hmm. thought, Mm -hmm. or, you know, you're just putting too much weight on I think they thought that. I, I think it's been a thought for both Philly and Dallas that Josh Richardson would provide more on offense than he has. I think he's just kind of shown that he's just not that guy as a shooter. And obviously we all knew that Seth Curry was a shooting upgrade, but it's just it's not Josh Richardson's game. Uh, I I think these teams have just kind of expected – it looked like he was primed to take that next step in Miami. Yeah. And it just really hasn't happened for Josh. Exactly. So – 
Yeah, I mean, just getting another shot creator or just a guy with shot creation abilities, you know, would be a plus for the Mavericks. Along with the spacing that yeah, I think he could provide mm-hmm. off ball. That's the only trades I had. Uh, just to kind of a couple more things to wrap up this episode. Uh, Robert Covington tonight, uh, non Cavs related, but was named. The, I I personally didn't even know that the Cavaliers or not the Cavaliers, but the NBA was going to have a skills challenge as a part of All Star Weekend. I knew that they were doing the three point challenge and that they were doing the dunk contest at halftime and whatever during the game. And this is all going to happen on Sunday. It's not going to be a whole weekend of festivities like it normally is. But apparently they are going to do the skills challenge. Um, and Robert Covington was the first player named to that. I just wanted to pose the question to you, Amadou. If a Cavalier were to be in the skills challenge, which one would you pick and why? Um, for me, that's pretty easy. I'd just pick Darius Garland um, because the skills... 100% agree. Yeah, 100%. And the skills challenge consists of, of course, you have like the layup or dunk line, I guess you want to call that, and then it's the passing aspect. Um, then you have three point shot. He fits all of that. You know, he's the best passer on this team. Um, he's a top three shooter on this team and his finishing ability. I mean, it's, it's wide open layup. I mean, you know, that doesn't really matter, but I feel like he, he gives us the best chance gives a or he's a player on the Cavs with the best chance to win. Yeah, I think, and obviously we'll, we'll end up seeing who the other names are in this, but Darius Garland is kind of the perfect guy for that type of thing. I think he's young. You would like to get that type of exposure. Um, overall, yeah. I mean, probably the best passers the Cavs at least have playing right now would be able to hit those, you know, those long distance threes. Uh, he's capable of hitting an open layup, obviously. So I, I would love to see him in that. I think Kevin Love, if he would ever be healthy during an All Star break, it seems like that's never been the case. Um, would be perfect for that as well. In the big man in the big man race, another good pass, another good shooter. Just for the comedy, I want to see a guy like Javale McGee in that. Though <laughs> I feel like that's uh, the guy that like Javale McGee thinks he is at times yeah. with the Cavs. Oof, like I just want to see him like in 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 that type of setting, run coast to coast, and like in, instead of just laying it in, you know, do his his coast to coast dunk. Yeah, like that'd be that'd be great to watch, honestly. Like, Andre Drummond has played, like... Uh, Andre Drummond is another one who I think would at least be, not, if nothing else, entertaining. Like, Andre Drummond thinks that he is a guy who is, like, tailor-made for the skills challenge. Just in the way that he plays. I would just like to see him, like, try to make those passes and, like, miss four of them into that little loop that they have, like, the tire or whatever. I don't know. That would be entertaining. But, uh, yeah. Not exactly sure why we're having the skills challenge in the first place. Um... Not really sure why we're doing all this all-star stuff in the first place. That's just me. But put Darius Garland in the skills challenge. You know, I mean... be great, honestly. Just, you know... Get a young guy who deserves some exposure in there. Like, Mm -hmm. I think he would do well. I think so, too. He's a guy with Uh, deep range. You know, he can Mm -hmm. can pull up. You know, he he can be an entertaining player in that. I I personally would like to see it. Yeah. Get his name out there, you know. Really, um... You talk about that 2020 draft, Zion, you know, Cha, those are the big guys. You know, let's let's get another person. Let's get another person on socks. You know, Darius Garland, go out to the skills challenge, man. Go show out. They're going to put Tyler Hero in it, and you know it. Yeah. Oh, Tyler Hero. Oh, he, well, just... He's another guy, you know, from that 2020 draft, too. But, yeah. 
there, I, I hadn't even thought of that possibility, but Tyler Hero is like probably going to be in that just because everybody is for some reason obsessed with Tyler Hero, even though he's like not even that great. But you know what? We don't even know. Nothing's finalized. We don't. We don't need to talk about Tyler Hero. We we slandered <laughs> Tyler Hero enough on this. Uh, we'll, we'll just stay pro Darius Garland. Um, put put Darius Garland in the skills yeah. challenge. Let's, let's Let him show up. He'll do yeah. well. He'll do well. He'll yeah. he'll he'll be entertaining. Um, but before we got out of here, the Cavaliers have the Rockets and Pacers next. Obviously, the Rockets are kind of going through it right now with injuries as well. Uh, Christian Wood is set to return soon. I don't even, I, He's not back yet, is he? I don't think he is. I don't think he is, no. I don't know if he's set to be back for this game or not. But um, obviously the Cavaliers just played Houston, uh, won against them. Cavs are a team that have, have – or I guess the Pacers are a team that the Cavaliers have struggled with this season. Uh, DeMontis Sabonis set to be an all-star injury replacement. Um. I just see the Cavs playing these next couple games. Is it going to be a five-game winning streak? Is it going to be a four-game? Is it going to be a none? Are we going to snap it? I hope so. Um, you hope I, we're going to snap it? No, 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 no. I hope that it's a five-game <laughs> winning streak. <laughs> uh, I mean, you, maybe some people out there do hope, you know, that the Cavs lose, you know. Uh, it's I been a lot of Kane Cunningham talks. He just, he just went like crazy. Yes, 40. Uh, Evan Mobley, too. You know, Jalen Green had a career high for the Ignite. Uh, I think it was either yesterday or the day before, so... Maybe some people do want the Cavs to lose, but personally, I would like, to, like see to see win. the team win. Yeah, we, we, like we like to see, to see the team win. Exactly. Um, is Miles Turner back for the Pacers? I believe he is, correct? I think he is. I okay. think he is. I'm so, not 100% sure. I'd yeah. have to check. That Pacers game is going to be interesting. You know, we talked about, you know, the Cavs struggles that has been with Andre Drummond on the court. We do have uh, Jared Allen now. So it's interesting to see how he'll go up against either. No, Miles Turner or DeMontis, I feel like he'd he probably go against DeMontis. Uh, but I feel like the Rockets, we should beat them. That's a team that's in in a bad slump, you know, um, unless Christian Wood plays. But I, I think we should we should go one and one in these next two games. Yeah, I don't, I don't really feel that confident against the Pacers. That's just a team the Cavaliers have had trouble with all year. DeMontis Sabonis, we'll, we'll just say it again, is just such a physical big – um, he just he just causes problems for this team, uh, especially like, I, I'm not even sure of, of Miles Turner's Miles Turner's status right now. But uh, that that get is again you know another guy who could cause problems, especially for a team without very many power forwards right now. If they're able to you know run those two big lineups, <laughs> the Cavaliers. I don't know. Maybe we'll see some Javale McGee, Jared Allen minutes together. Not sure there. But, yeah, I definitely think the Cavaliers should get this one against the Rockets. I think this team has built a little bit of momentum right now, and obviously the Rockets are reeling a little bit. Um, again, anything can happen. This team is young. All it takes is one putrid shooting night whichever, from everyone, which we have seen plenty of times, but uh, to, to, you know, to lose both of these games. But we're going to be optimistic and say that they win one-on-one. Anything else? You have to say before we get out of here, Amadou. Get Darius Collin in the uh, skills challenge. Get Darius Collin in yep. the skills challenge. You That's took it. you took Colin Sexton away from our All Star hopes. You know, obviously the Cavaliers don't really have a dunk contest candidate. I don't really think they have a lot well, They definitely don't deserve a three point contest candidate. Let the Cavaliers be all. Let let them be represented in All Star yeah. Weekend. We're not doing yeah. a rising stars. You know. 
I don't know. Are they naming Rising Stars? I think they're naming them. They're I just think not they might playing name the game. Them. Yeah, they might not play. But let's, let's just say Cavalier back in the All Star festivities. Yeah, that'd be great let's get to some see. Cavaliers. Let's get some Cavaliers in there. Yeah, let's see. Let's see Darius Garland's skills challenge. With that, uh, we'll get out of here. Thank you, Amadou, as always, for coming on. Pleasure speaking to you tonight. Thank you, as always, out there for listening. If you enjoyed, subscribe. Never miss a future episode. Go back and listen to another episode. We got plenty of them. Leave a rating. Leave a review. It really does help the show out quite a bit. And, uh, yeah, look out for another episode probably Thursday after these games. So, uh, yeah, we'll talk to you then. Thank you for listening to Cavalier Central. Be on the lookout for another episode coming soon.